talk about how Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets. So let me uh, use this as a segue before we lead, uh, read. Absolute truth is defined as an inflexible reality, fixed, invariable, unalterable facts. For example, it is a fixed, invariable, unalterable fact that there are absolutely no square circles and there are absolutely no round squares. So keep that in mind with our reading. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, we come to you, Lord, and we want to know, Father, your word more clearly. We want to understand your will and your ways, your purpose, your plan. Father, we want to know every precept, every word, every idea that will help us to better understand your truth. Father, this morning we are looking into the fulfillment of your word by your son, Jesus Christ. We ask for your guidance. We ask for your wisdom. We ask, Lord, that you would use this word to give us confidence, assurance, and that you would use it to conform us into the likeness of your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So there is no... Absolute truth, more absolute, more fixed, more unalterable than God and his word. God's word is more sure than a circle or a square. If you think about the life that you live, the life that we live, the time that of earth's creation, I will go with the 10,000 years, the beginning of time, the 70 to 100 years that we all expect to live. That little short time is nowhere near the absoluteness of God and his kingdom. No matter what we study here on earth, no matter what science says to us about how the world is created or how things function, God's kingdom is more absolute, more truth, more truthful than anything that a scientist will ever tell you. God's truth will go on through eternity. So what did Jesus fulfill? Well, we know that it says here that he fulfilled the law and the prophets. Well, most of us, when we think of the law, immediately uh, go to the Ten Commandments. And I believe that that is true, that he is talking about the law. Uh, but we also know that there are other books that gave us perhaps more application or more laws. Uh, that would be the 
Torah in the Hebrew or Pentateuch in the Greek. It is the first five books uh, of the Old Testament. But I think that we need, when we're thinking of this, uh, this uh, idea today that Jesus fulfilled the law, I think we need to look at the, at the purpose of the law or what the law does. And what we find is that the law's purpose is more than just legislating. Okay, let's look at, uh, let's look at two first. Turn it over to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, I'm going to read verse 13. It says, For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Okay, so the law is not just for legislating, but it also is prophesying. Prophesying is pretelling the future or saying something, predicting something of what the future will be holding. Let's go to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, I'm going to read verse 21. It says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Okay, so it's bearing witness. It's prophesying, bearing witness, and it's legislating. Bearing, bearing witness would be bearing witness to the truth. We'll see that God is true. We know that Jesus Christ is true. So it's bearing witness to God's truth. And it's also prophesying in one who would come, who would be the fulfillment or the keeper of the law. We know it prophesies and points to Christ. All that the prophets said, not only did he fulfill the law, but he also fulfilled the prophets. And we know from Acts chapter 3 and verse 18 that all that the prophets said was fulfilled. Everything the prophets said in the Old Testament was fulfilled in Christ. We know in John chapter 5 and verse 46 it says that Moses' words spoke of Jesus. So Moses' words prophesied about Jesus. All of the prophets prophesied about Jesus. The law prophesied about Jesus. You can keep your finger in John chapter 5. Because we will go to, go to uh, John chapter 5 quite often. Because it's a, a good chapter to uh, learn the lesson for today. But in John chapter 5 and verse 39 it says... You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Okay, so if we take those three points, the law legislate, witnesses, and prophesies, the prophets prophesy, and all of scriptures is a witness of me. Okay, so Matthew is a book that's written to Jews. Jews are concerned about the law and the prophets and so it's right for Matthew to refer to the law and the prophets when he's really talking about all of scriptures. And at that point the Old Testament was all of scriptures. So when we think about Jesus fulfilling the law and the prophets, uh, well, the way we want to think about it is that Jesus fulfilled all of the Old Testament. He fulfilled all of scriptures. 
Jesus was under the assumption, as Jesus spoke in the Old Testament, Jesus was under the assumption that God says things in the Old Testament that if you studied and read scriptures, then you would have recognized the incarnate Son of God. Jesus always referred, have you not heard? Did you not read what Moses said? Do you not read the prophets yourself? Do you not know that all of scriptures is pointing to me? In other words, if, if they sought the scriptures to see if Jesus was the one because Jesus fulfilled all of the law and the prophets, all that the Old Testament said about Jesus. In Romans, it says to consider Israel because if Israel missed it, we could too. And so the assumption is that if we too would read the scriptures, we won't be deceived about the second coming of Jesus Christ. That when he comes, we will recognize him for who he is because we have been good stewards of God's word. Amen. We have understood that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of scriptures. When we say that Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets, we should think uh, of Jesus fulfilling, affirming, achieving, carrying out, accomplishing meeting the requirements of the law and executing the truth. So what is truth? Well, God is true. The Bible says that God is true. And if God is true, then he is the God of truth. Have you ever seen the illustration of Michael Jordan in the commercial, the Gatorade commercial, and he drinks Gatorade and as he sweat, out comes the, the, the Gatorade, the orange Gatorade in his skin or the red Gatorade. Well, if God would sweat, what you would see is truth. It, would, it, it permeates out of him. It comes out of him. That's, that's all that does come out of him because he is the truth. The Bible says that he is true and he cannot lie. Truth is that, therefore, truth is that which is consistent with the mind, will, character, being, and glory of God. Truth is the self-expression of God. Out of all the truth that exists, God's truth, God, is the most absolute, fixed, perfect, and complete truth there is. It is unlimited, unaltered, unalterable, and it cannot be stopped, changed, altered, or broken. In other words, when God says that he can do, that he's going to do something, we can bank on the fact that it's going to be done. If he says there's something that's going to take place in the future, we can rest our hearts on the fact that God has spoken and it will take place. It is because of truth and it is because that God is true that his truth can't be broken and that not one iota, one mark of the pen, one stroke of the pencil will by no means go away until all of it has come true because it is true and it is true truth since god is true and cannot change then neither is truth able to change jesus said not one stroke of the pen will pass away it's in matthew 18 jesus said in john chapter 18 37 listen scripture cannot be broken it cannot whatever it says it is true and it's true for eternity it cannot be broken the bumper sticker that says, God said it, I believe it, that settles it, is false. God said it, that settles it. It don't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what I believe. If God said it, it's settled. It's a done deal. Right? Put all your eggs in one basket. 
Put all your faith on him. Trust his word fully and completely because God is true. He cannot lie. His word is true and it cannot be broken. If somebody robbed your bank, robbed, uh, robbed your house, wouldn't it be great to have a witness? Right? If you have a witness that can confirm the truth, that is great benefit to you. Incredible benefit to you. So not only has God given us the truth, but he has given us a multitude of witnesses to that truth. Stay in John chapter 5, but move, uh, move over to John chapter 18. We'll come right back to John chapter 5. John chapter 18 and verse 37. Then Pilate said to him, so you are the king. Jesus answered, you say that I am king. For this pur purpose I was born. For this purpose I have come into the world. To bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So how did, how did Jesus fulfill the truth? Well, he was bearing witness to his father who is true. He was bearing witness to his word, the Old Testament, that everything in the word of God was true. And Jesus bore witness to that very fact. Go back to John chapter 5, starting in verse 19. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees his father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. Listen, if God is true and his word is true and Jesus is the truth, what do you expect of him as a witness? That he only does what his father said. That he only does what his father is saying. Look at John chapter 5 and verse 30. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Right? If Jesus is going to bear the truth, to be a witness to the truth, is going to fulfill the word of God, what do you expect? His will is going to be in line with God the Father, the one who sent him. His life is going to be in line with with the scriptures who is truth. And what scriptures do they have? They the Old Testament. He is going to fulfill all of the words of the Old Testament because God is truth and God is the God of truth and his son is the truth. Look at verse 36. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish the very works that I am doing bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Not only is his will in line with God, but his works are in line with God. Right? He does exactly what he sees his Father saying, and he's doing exactly what he is doing exactly what his Father is telling him to do. He is not straying from the left or from the right. Now, here's a good principle. Okay, it's called the, the uh, Trinity test. Because the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are always in agreement. Always in agreement. 
Don't, act, don't come and say, well, I feel like the Holy Spirit is leading me to do this, and it contradicts God's word. The Holy Spirit is not leading you to do it. All right? Don't say, I think I found the wife that I was supposed to be with. All right? Because that is not in accordance. Some spirits lead me, but it's not the Holy Spirit. Because it's never in conflict with the Father, never in conflict with the Son, never in conflict with the Word of God. Look at verse 39. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness of me. Right? And so the Son is bearing witness to the Father by keeping his word. And the word is bearing witness to the Son. Starting to see a theme here? Absolute truth. Jesus fulfilling the law. He's going to fulfill the Father's word. He's going to fulfill the Father's works. His will is going to be in line with the Father. And he's going to do everything that God commanded. Everything that was required of him. Look at verse 46. John chapter 5. For you believe Moses, you would believe me. Because he wrote about me. Right? He fulfilled everything the prophet says. Right? What is Moses responsible for? The giving of the law. The law prophesies about Jesus. Jesus fulfills it. He fulfills the prophet. He fulfills the law. He fulfills all the scriptures. Verse 47. But if you not believe his writings, how would you believe my words? If you don't believe Moses was talking about Jesus... How are you going to believe Jesus when he starts talking about Moses or fulfilling his word? So how did Jesus fulfill the law and the prophets? Did anybody else in all of history fulfill the law fully and completely? No, Jesus was the only one who fulfilled the old covenant. He was the one who filled the entire covenant, all of God's promises, all of God's purpose, all of God's plans, all of God's goals, everything was fulfilled in, in Christ. God provided what he promised, but it came with a condition of perfection and sinlessness. There were, therefore, we do see partial fulfillments of promises that point to the need of Christ that Christ actually met. Okay, so we see God fulfilling promises to Israel by giving them a king, King David, King Solomon, and so forth, right? But they weren't, they weren't the full fulfillment of the law. It was a partial fulfillment, and they were prophesying or pointing to Christ. Okay, so when we, when we read the Old Testament, we want to see the, the perfect promise of God, the, the partial fulfillment of the promise of God that is pointing to the complete fulfillment. Okay, and this could be words of the prophets. If you heard about types and antitypes, typology in the uh, in the Bible, all of these things are pointing to Christ. So let's let's look at a couple examples. In Genesis chapter twelve, verses one through three, God calls Abraham, promises to make him a great nation. Uh, making a great nation, he was he was promised the land. Uh, he was promised. A number of people, because one person doesn't make a nation. You need a bunch of, a bunch of people to make a nation. Uh, he's promising a leader, and he gave him a law. Okay, and in this promise of a, of a great nation, there was a promise of a great king. In the midst of this were, were prophets who prophesied about the kingdom and the coming kingdom. 
There was promises of protection from your enemies. There was there were firstborn sons that were given inheritances. And all of all of these were not sufficient. They, they were finite. They were, they were parts of the requirement, but it wasn't the fulfillment of that requirement. So when we think of a nation of Israel, what is the, what is the complete fulfillment of the nation of Israel? It is the kingdom of God, every tongue and tribe and nation, worshiping him around his throne. When we think of a great king, right? remember King Solomon, there's always going to be somebody on your throne. There's only one thing you have to do. Don't marry foreign wives and don't build our idols to that, those foreign uh, uh, gods. Don't marry foreign women and build idols to those foreign gods. And what did he do? Was it 300 concubines and 700 wives? We might have got that verse. Whatever, there's a lot of them. It's over a thousand of them. And then he started building idols to all of those gods of those, of those women. Had idols all over the place. And so it was a partial fulfillment. He didn't, he didn't live up to it. And so there had to be a king that would abide or would obey God forever. And it, had a, it needed a king that would be able to protect from the enemies. Now, how can you protect a nation from your enemies when you, don't need, when you don't know the enemies and you don't know what they're doing and you don't know how they're responding? You don't know what they're thinking. Wouldn't it be good to know what Russia is doing about a year and a half before they actually did something or China or whoever? Right? So what is a perfect king? One that is all-knowing. One that is all-powerful. One that has the capable of destroying all other nations and protecting the one true nation, the kingdom of God. And so Jesus was the, was the fulfillment of the, of the promised king. Right? We had a bunch of prophets prophesying about the, about the kingdom of God. And we get to Matthew chapter 5 that we've been looking at uh, here lately. And so this is this, is, this guy here, Jesus, is not like the other prophets because he's speaking like one who has the authority, not speaking as though he received the authority from another. In other words, the, the prophets of Old Testament said, thus says the Lord. God has said to me, and now I'm telling you. Jesus said, you've heard the prophets of old, but I'm telling you. I'm the one that has authority. I didn't get this from somebody else. I have the authority. I am the fulfillment of the promised prophets. We go to the priests. Right? The priests had the Day of Atonement, had to make sacrifices for all of Israel, came there and cut the lamb, said their, uh, put your hands on the lamb's head, confessed your sin, slaughtered the lamb, took the blood, went into the tabernacle, put the blood on the mercy seat, did this year after year after year after year. Nobody could go into the tabernacle except this one priest. Well, now we know that when Jesus died on the cross, the curtain was ripped in two. We have access to God. He is the blood sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He was sacrificed one time for the sins of the world. No more making that trip to Israel year after year after year after year. Final victory. Final peace. Final release from the bondage. Because we now have the perfect high priest. Isaac. Two kids, Jacob and Esau. Wanted to give the birth right away. Esau, go get me some food. Jacob hears 
goes and makes his plan, comes in, receives the birthright. Just as Jacob walked out, Esau comes in. Here I am. Where's the birthright? Don't have nothing left. I gave it all. There's nothing for you. Right? It was partial. It wasn't good enough. We need, we need a infinite and eternal father with an infinite and eternal son, with an infinite and eternal birthright so that none of us are Esau's. When we go to God and say, give us our blessing, it's there. Infinite amounts. When God gave me his birthright, Jesus still didn't lack anything. When I shared the gospel with you and you accepted Christ, God didn't take anything from me and you got just as much as I got. None of us will ever go to the Father and say, what about me? And God say, I don't have any left. No, we will receive fully and completely joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Whatever God gives to the Son, Jesus Christ, he gives to us. He was com the complete fulfillment of God's word from Genesis chapter 1 till Malachi. <clears throat> he was the Passover lamb. Right? We, can, we can go on and on and on with this. Let's go to our next point. How does Jesus continue to fill the law and the prophets? Well, the New Covenant says that he is going to write the Word of God on your heart. And he's going to place the Spirit of God in you. And he's going to cause you to obey. You're going to be the salt and the light of the world. You're going to preserve the truth. You're going to be children of the truth. You're going to speak the truth. You're going to affirm the truth. You're going to worship Jesus Christ who is the truth. You're going to acknowledge him as the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament. He is the son of God. God is truth. And Jesus Christ is the truth. Not only is he going to do that through you, through regeneration, through sanctification, but he's also going to do it through the body of Christ. He's going to do it through the church. The church is the foundation of truth. We are pillars of truth to our community. Which means that we are responsible for speaking the truth to our world. Walking in truth no matter what the rest of our neighbors are doing. Preserving the truth by preaching it. And God has given us the keys to his kingdom. Which means that we're going to be concerned about the one who preaches the truth. And we're going to be concerned about how each of us lives with the truth. Because we want to be obedient to Christ so that he can continue to fulfill his word in and through us and in and through his church. We are responsible now to carry on the fulfillment of God's word through the leadership of the Holy Spirit.
how will Jesus fulfill the law and the prophets when it comes to its epic end? Well, listen, God is the living and true God. In eternity past, he established the truth. He set out his purpose and his plan. His desire is that his truth will fill the earth the way that the waters covers the sea. That's his desire. That's what he wants. The glory of the Lord will fill the earth the way that the waters covers the sea. Listen, how does the water cover the sea? The water is the sea. The sea is the water. That's all it is. Well, guess what? That's all God wants in the world is his glory, his truth. What is our responsibility as individuals? Well, we have received the truth. So in a sense, the, the word of God and the glory of God is already beginning to fill the world. And we want to participate in continually to fill the world with his truth and his glory, which is the reason why he gave us the responsibility of the Great Commission to go out into the world to make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded me, commanded you, knowing that he will be with you wherever you go. God is the God of truth. Truth is the very essence of the character of God. God cannot lie. In fact, God is true and every man is a liar. The little bit of truth that they can drum up in this world through science and other things is going to be passing away and God is going to make all things new. And so whatever truth they think they do have, it's only going to last for a certain time and then this whole world is going to come unravel and God's going to make this new kingdom and guess what's going to be there? Nothing but his truth. Nothing but his glory. I don't know about you, but I can't wait the day there's no CNN or Fox News or politics or whatever else we're hearing. What a day that will be. God created and then he began to make his truth known. He condescended to us. Just think if God didn't give us the word of God. Just think if he didn't give, I mean, just think if he, I mean, we would be at the whim of the scientists in CNN. But we have this. We know what the end result is going to be. We know what's going to happen despite whatever they say is going to happen. Because he condescended himself and he made himself known. He made his truth known. His law would bear witness to the truth. It would bear witness to Christ. The, the, the law and the prophets were, were bearing witness to God's truth and prophesying about the coming of the truth, Jesus Christ. The scriptures say truth is of God and Christ. Scriptures are true because it speaks of God and it speaks of Christ. Jesus is the truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit convicts of truth, leads us to truth. Christians are the people of truth. The church is where truth is taught. Truth is our armor in fighting the lies of the world. Truth is for tearing down strongholds and arguments against the things of God. Listen, God's judgments are true. Jesus Christ will return with the word of God. As we read in a minute, Revelation chapter 19, you can turn there to get ready for it. But Jesus will return with the word of God. The double-edged sword will 
will be coming out of his mouth. And we know the double-edged sword is the word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts clean to the bone and marrow, lays yourself up in the body and spirit before God. And his truth is there to examine your life. He comes with a double-edged sword that will destroy nations and will judge every single sinner. Truth is going to win. Truth is going to reign. Truth will receive the victory. Because God, his word, and Jesus Christ are true. The truth will not be broken. And the only way it could possibly be broken is if you could kill God and kill Jesus Christ. But he is life. And he is spirit. And there's nobody that can turn God's hand away. There's no one that can refute God's truth. It stands. And it stands forever. Revelations chapter 19. Listen to this. Starting in verse 1. After this I heard what seemed to be a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out. Alleluia! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immoralities. And has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah! The smoke, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who was seated on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah! And from the, throne, from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you servants, you who fear him, small and great. Then I heard that uh, what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out hallelujah for the lord our god the almighty reigns let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready it was granted her to clothe herself in fine linen and bright and pure for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints and the angel said to me write this Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Amen. Then I fell down at the feet and worshipped him. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your, and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy. Then I saw heaven open and behold a white horse, the one sitting on called Faithful and True. In righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following from the white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod, an iron rod, and he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. 
Listen, the epic culmination of the fulfillment of the word of God is the establishment of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is for those who believe that God is true, that the word of God is true, that Jesus Christ is the truth, that the church is for the truth. They believe, they receive, they worship, they accept, and they serve God Almighty. The rest who are not children of the truth, the children of God, will experience the wrath of God. And how will God judge every believer? By the word of God. How will God judge every unbeliever? By the word of God. And it will all be determined by one thing. Did you believe Jesus Christ? Do you believe that you are a sinner? Do you believe that God is true, that Jesus Christ bears witness of God in scriptures, that he died for your sins and you accept him because you want to be a child of the truth? Because if you are not a child of the truth, you will face the sword of the spirit. You will face the double-edged swords of God and you will receive the wrath that fell on Christ for the sinner. It will be upon your own flesh and your own back. So it really boils down to one thing. Do you believe that God is true? Do you believe that the word of God is a testament to the truth of God? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, the truth, who bears witness and fulfilled the word of God? Everything that has been fulfilled so far in the Old Testament came true when Christ came. There's still some unleft promises to be filled in Christ's second coming. And if he fulfilled it the first time, rest assured he's going to fulfill it the second time. And so my question to you today is, do you want to be a child of the truth? If you want to be a child of the truth, then you have to accept the truth in Jesus Christ and his word. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, I know that the world does not love your truth. And many so-called believers try to refute everything that the word of God says. It has created much confusion in our day. And so, Lord, we pray because we know that the word of God is the power of God on salvation. We know hearing the truth will open our hearts to the truth. We know that the spirit of God will enlighten our hearts and enlighten our eyes and lead us to truth and convict us of our sins. Pray, Father, that you would do this for us today. If there's anyone that, that, that doubts your truth, if there's a hater of your truth, if there is a skeptic here, Lord, I pray that they've heard all of the witnesses that you set forth in your word to call attention to your truth and to confirm that you are the truth.
we left out the truth that is seen in the world and the truth that is written on our conscience and all the other things, Lord. But Father, use the, 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 the limited preaching that came about today from the limited preacher that spoke these words and save the hearts of the unsaved and encourage the children of the truth that we may stand firm in your word in these days when everything looks like sinking sand. May we stand on the solid rock of absolute truth. Jesus Christ, your son. Do your work in our hearts, Lord. Amen. Do your word in the life of your people. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.